friends, uh, let me welcome you to the first in a series of monthly meetings that we're having in the area of self-help and self-improvement. I call this uh, Living Your Best Life. It is a collaboration between the Hollywood Full Gospel Baptist Cathedral, the Queens Ministry of New York City, and Luter Life Coaches, which is a resource and life coach enterprise that is managed by my sisters and myself. Uh, here of late, I have uh, toiled over what we as a ministry could do to be more helpful and more useful to our members. I know that we sing, pray, we worship, we praise God primarily on Sunday, and then there are some uh, midweek activities that we have, but it just seemed to me that we ought to be a resource for individuals because there's so much there. There's a myriad of problems that people face each and every day. And I wanted to develop some practical tools and strategies that people could use to navigate the stormy weather and the uh, stormy waters that we go through uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. And the Lord laid upon my heart to develop some productivity tools, some life application tools. Now, I'm not abandoning what we do typically, Queen's Ministry on Wednesday night, where we come together in our Bible webinar and we review the sermon of the preceding Sunday and I try and give you information, background, and resources to augment and supplement the word and the message that is provided on Sunday morning. But I wanted to take one of those weeks during the month and offer some direct tools and strategies for your own productivity, your own enhancement, your own self-help and self-improvement. And so we'll be doing this on a monthly basis. And uh, we will be doing this on the Wednesday after the first Sunday. Now, I'm saying the Wednesday after the first Sunday, as opposed to saying the first Wednesday of the month, because those two days aren't always the same. Uh, sometimes the week or the month comes in prior to Sunday. So if you would mark your calendars, we're going to be together in this context, in this forum, with this uh, lesson and these episodes on the Wednesday after the first Sunday. So you know that when the first Sunday comes around and the Lord's Supper comes around, that following Wednesday, three days later, we're going to be together discussing some life tools, life applications that's designed and intended to secure success on your part. I'm so delighted and encouraged by all who are uh, who have joined us and are coming in. And Pastor, I am going to, if you don't mind, I am going to make you a co-host so that you can watch the door so that persons who come in a little late will gain access to the room tonight. I do know that once I get started and begin to flow, my eye won't be as attentive to the uh, waiting room as it probably needs to be. So if you would watch the waiting room and people who come in a little late, if you would grant them access to the room, I would appreciate it. You should be a co-host by now. I have put that in place. So with that said and done, uh, tonight, and for Sister Eldora, who asked the question, and this is just a brief sketch. Now, for the next three months, Sister 
Eldora, I am going to be talking about defeating your own worst enemy, defeating your own worst enemy. And here's the kicker. The kicker is that your worst enemy is not a friend. It's not an associate. It's not a colleague. It's not a coworker. It's not even a family member. In many instances, your worst enemy is yourself. And there are what I call some self-defeating behaviors that contributes to holding us hostage, holding us down, and holding us back from being all that we can be. And so for the next three months, I will be talking about defeating your own worst enemy. And we're going to be looking at some of these self-defeating behaviors. And then I'm going to offer you some methodologies and some strategies on how to overcome those self-defeating behaviors so that they do not limit you and they do not restrain you from being all that you can be. Now, when we get beyond that, we're going to do a couple of uh, lessons on self-image. We're going to do something on self-esteem. We're going to do something specific on goal setting and procrastination. And that will take us through to the end of the year. Again, we'll be meeting once a month. And so there are approximately seven months that remain in this year. And that is the scope of subjects and topics that we will be covering over the next several months. I know that Sister Eldora has asked that, but I would imagine <clears throat> that others of you are equally interested in some of the subject matter and the topics that we will be discussing. Now, I have prepared for you a somewhat lightweight video that I want to share with you to introduce the topic of this evening, defeating your own worst enemy. Again, it's not somebody else, but there are some demons that sometimes reside inside of us who put a ceiling on us going as far as we want to go or going as high as we want to go. And so I want to tackle some of these self-defeating behaviors. And uh, if I don't do any more tonight, then give an overview or identify what some of those self-defeating behaviors are uh, that will move us down the line. And each and every month, uh, we will do more and more in that regard. I also want to invite, and there's a goodly amount of you who are in the room tonight. Um, I don't want to assume that I have everyone's email address. And so if you would go to the chat box and place your email address, I am recording I am recording uh, tonight's uh, webinar and teaching, and I do want to send you a copy of the video at the close of the evening or no later than by tomorrow. And so if you would place your um, email address, I can send you a direct copy or link where this video will be available. Okay. Here, boy. Come to Jane. Come on. Who's a good boy? Come on. Who loves Jane? <sighs> oh, well. Okay, I'll come to you. People experience rejection in relationships. Not getting onto their desired sports team. Getting a B on an assignment when you were hoping for an A. Or not getting cast in the school play. In any of these situations, a person tried something that didn't work out for them. Even though it can be hurtful when someone rejects you, it's important to remember that 
This is just one person's opinion. It doesn't mean that you aren't good enough. It just means the person thought you weren't right for them. So don't think that you need to change who you are. You're perfect just the way you are. Rejection also doesn't mean that you should stop going after the things you want. You won't get anything you want unless you give it a try. Everyone experiences rejection. So how can you deal with it? First, you have to accept the decision of the person who has rejected you. They have the right to decide what is best for them, just like you have the right to decide what is best for you. Trying to convince them to change their mind is unlikely to work. And if they no longer want to be friends or don't want to go out with you, someone else will. If you're feeling sad or hurt, it's important to acknowledge those feelings. Don't just brush them off and pretend you're okay. It's important to take time to process how you are feeling. If you are feeling sad or angry, or if you want to get revenge, you should talk to someone you trust who can help you to work through these feelings. It'll help for you to choose to be around people or activities that are fun or make you feel confident. Stay positive and remember, just because you experienced rejection this time doesn't mean that you'll have the same outcome next time. And so, beloved, I want to look at what is rejection? Uh, we all at various points and times in our life go through rejection and it can be debilitating. It can be an assault on our self-esteem, our sense of self-worth, self-value. It can uh, rattle us and cause us to become insecure and even paranoid about our circumstance, our environment, people who are around us and items that are around us. Because we wanna feel so good about ourselves and all of us have this angst where we want to be liked by so many, rejection is one of the things that we often try to avoid. And so the first life lesson tool that I wanna tackle uh, for the next couple of months is this area of rejection and to help you identify why rejection, why you feel about rejection the way that you do. And then how do you handle rejection? What ought your, what ought your attitude be? Uh, how do you keep and protect yourself from allowing the rejection of others, watch this, cause you to feel bad about yourself and bad to the point where you are no longer productive. It literally takes the power, the finesse. It takes the energy. It takes the intensity out of your life. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that rejection does not have to have that kind of success. And I am hoping over these next couple of months to provide you with some systematic and specific tools that you can use to guard against the rejection of others and to keep your self-esteem, your self-image intact when it is attacked by the rejection of others. So let's start right here. We define rejection as the act of pushing something or someone away. A person can experience rejection from several places, a romantic partner, a friend, one's family, or even at work. The resulting emotions from these rejections can be especially painful and tragic. Rejection is a part of life, and we can experience it in a small way or even in a large way. It takes place in our everyday life. However, 
some rejections can be especially painful and more difficult to handle than others. Now, friends, rejection occurs in a variety of situations and conditions. In its simplest form and definition, it describes the act of pushing away something. It doesn't have to be emotional rejection or rejection at work. It can be something as little as refusing a gift, turning down an offer to see a game, or some other little item. What I'm trying to say to you is that rejection comes in various packages. There are some obvious, enormous, huge rejections, but then there are some little rejections. And here is the reality, beloved. The reality is that sometimes the little rejections that are overlooked and ignored can be as painful and as debilitating as the large rejections. Now, when we most mostly when we think of rejection, we think of romantic rejection, but that's not the only kind of rejection. And that's not the only type of rejection that can render you useless and put a ceiling on your productivity. Rejection can be especially painful, and several research and studies have found out why. We developed the perception of rejection as an evolutionary mechanism to warn early humans who risk being expelled or ostracized from their village, tribe, or communities. Being expelled from one's tribe in our gatherer and hunter past was a literal death sentence because, watch this, no one could survive on their own. So there is some pri- there is some primeval, uh, primitive DNA that's in all of us where in our distant past, ancient past, individuals feared being rejection because if you were ever cast out, if you were ever made to live alone, it was a death sentence. And we have inherited that emotional luggage so that even today, we do not want to be rejected, even though the consequences in this modern age are quite different than the consequences in our ancient past. The feeling is still there. The emotion is still there. That DNA is still there. And that fear, and to some degree, that paranoia is still there. As a result of this evolutionary, psychologists believe that our brains evolved and developed this intense feeling of pain when rejected to alert us when we risk being expelled from our tribes. Getting our attention was of paramount importance as we could then affect changes to our characters or behaviors, which would make us less likely to be expelled. So we developed this paranoia and this fear to keep us in a safe space. Why? So that we would not be rejected. Now, having said that, and again, this tonight is primarily an overview. I want to walk you through some of the types of rejection that we encounter and we experience. The feeling of rejection occurs in many contexts, and the amount of pain we feel depends on the circumstances under which we were rejected. Now, some of those typical types of rejection include the following. The first, and if you're taking notes, this is a good place to take notes. I'm not going to do study questions. I'm not going to make you take an exam. 
I'm not going to measure your retention, but as you can see, I've done a goodly amount of research and study on this topic, and I would hope that you would retain the material that I have assembled for you this evening. So here is the first type of rejection that we go through and that we experience, and it is referred to as familial rejection, familial <clears throat> rejection. Typically parental, this type of rejection entails being expelled from our family of origin. This type of rejection can be especially painful and its serious consequences can alter a person's entire life. Familiar rejection might not be straight up expulsion from one's family. It might be abuse, neglect, abandonment, or watch this, the withholding of affection. I've been binging today on um, Law and Order. And one of the episodes that I watched today were a pair of twins who grew up. And in the end, we discovered at the end of the story that it was the female member of this twin set that had committed all of these murders, including the murder of her twin brother. And the psychologist, B.D. Wong, who is one of my favorite characters, traced it all the way back to the feeling of the alienation of affection when she was growing up, that the parents doted on the male member of the twin set, gave them all the attention, spoiled them to some degree, and didn't give an equal amount of attention to the female member. She grew up with these scars that she never overcame, and it resulted in psychotic behavior. So even though familial rejection might be overlooked and omitted, it can cause, watch this beloved, serious consequences. And as I've said before, it can include neglect, abandonment, and even the withholding of affection. Now, here's the second type of rejection. And that is social rejection. Familiar uh, rejection is when you are rejected by family or family members. Social rejection occurs at any age, but often begins when a kid starts school. It involves being bullied, alienated, or estranged at work, school, or any social setting. People who challenge the status quo are more likely to experience this kind of rejection. Let me pause here. Let me say that again. People who challenge, people who go against the grain, those who challenge the status quo, oftentimes the weapon that the status quo or culture and society uses against those who challenge them is to reject them, knowing that our fear of rejection in many instances will cause us to get back in line and less challenge the society, the culture, and the status quo that we have risen up against. And then here's the third type. And it's probably the type that you're most familiar with and that you assumed we were going to talk about anyway. And that is rejection in a relationship. People in a romantic relationship sometimes experience romantic rejection. This rejection doesn't always have to be a breakup. Being rejected in a relationship, watch this, might be your partner's refusal to share an experience with you, a withdrawal of intimacy, or the withholding of affection. 
Well, friends, that takes up just about all of my time that I wanted to spend on this first portion of rejection. I do have a second set of material that I'm going to share with you during the second half of the time that we're spending together. But I want to pause ever so briefly. I've given you four types of rejection. I've tried to provide you an overview and a definition. And so I want to pause here and have some interaction, some feedback, some uh, commentary from those of you who are sharing in our uh, webinar tonight. Uh, Anybody, and we won't take too long to do this, maybe three to four minutes, but would anybody uh, like, or can I twist somebody's arm to come off of mute and just respond to the material that has be, that has been presented up until this time. Anybody? Bishop, um, very. I'm looking forward to um, continuing. You know, more extensive. Uh, I have a question. Uh, you say little or large rejection. You mean as far as how the person takes it? It could be. Little for someone else, but large, you know. So right, right. The person who's doing, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. The person who's doing the rejection may not consider it rejection at all. They may be oblivious to exactly what they're doing, but it is a huge injury to the person who's being rejected. We're not always conscious the degree to which we offend and we damage others with our small acts of rejection. It may be small to us, but it very well may turn out to be rather large to them. Thank you for the question. Anybody else? This is the only way I know if I'm hitting the mark. I need just a little feedback from you so that I know how we're doing. From your silence, I cannot assume that we're all on the same page and that this is as beneficial as I intended to be. Um, um, I never. Um, um, I thought that. I thought that like the word rejection was just um one broad term, and, and and there were not many terms for the word rejection. Okay, that sounds like Isaac. Isaac, is that you? Okay, good. Anybody else? So, so Bishop, the yes, wonderful sir. topic is much needed. And, you know, most of our young people need to really see this tape because most of them are in this category of rejection mm. and don't believe that what's going on and they cannot handle right. rejection. Oh, you better put my Young people under 20 or under 30 years old, rejection to them is probably one of the worst concepts in their life because they can't handle it. That's why suicide or depression or mental breakdown, because our age group understand rejection. We were taught that as a little child. No, you can't have it. But but our children or just this young people, they don't understand what is no. Sure. 
Yeah. Great. Thank you for that. Any, anybody else before I move on to my second half this evening? Okay. Yes. Yes, Bishop. I would like to add to um, Bishop Walter's comment. Yes. I totally agree with him. If y'all may recall a few months back, there was a couple, I believe they lived in Georgia, the state of Georgia, and the gentleman wind up shooting the young lady he was talking to because she rejected him. She no longer wanted to be with him. So he waited for her as she went to work and she parked in an underground facility. He observed her and he shot her about nine to 10 times killing her because she decided she no longer wanted to have anything, anything to do with him. So in that case, she rejected him. He didn't know how to handle rejection and he wound up killing her. So even not just young people, but older people as well. So I believe they were like in their thirties, early thirties or whatever, but. Yeah, I I was, I saw that and I was taken by, I was struck by it as well. Thank you for that, sister Brown. Appreciate it. Good evening, Bishop. I'm going to uh, jump to my next item, which is, now, what I've tried to do is outline for you in my first first portion of my presentation, uh, give you an overview, give you a definition, and then uh, make reference to the various types of rejection. I'd like to explore that in greater detail now and look at four different kinds of rejection, four different kinds of rejection. The first half of my presentation was intended and designed to give you an overview, to give you a definition, to kind of set the stage and create a context for the conversation that we'll be having for the next few months. But now I'd like to drill down and be just a little more specific. Okay, we're gonna look at four different kinds of rejection. Friends, rejection is universal. Everybody has, at one point or another, experienced some degree of rejection. It can be dumped by your partner, a potential client declining your proposal, or being unfriended on Facebook. Scientifically, rejection has a biological root and is deeply rooted in our need to survive as humans. Here are four well-known kinds of rejections that we experience in life. And I want to kind of go back to this primeval, this ancient past DNA that we have inherited where the consequences of being rejected in a tribe, in a village, meant that you would die because you could not survive on your own. So do understand that your fear and your paranoia, your emotional response to rejection isn't just what's in your mind or what's in your head or even what's in your immediate life. You have inherited some fears and some paranoias and some responses to rejection that go way back to the early stages of human development. So let's take a look at four specific kinds of rejections 
that we go through. The rejection, watch this, beloved, of being ignored. This is an unspoken rejection. Maybe you've put in your time and energy into crafting a truly amazing proposal for a connection in your workplace. And then you don't get a response. It might be sending a romantic text, expressing your desires and not getting a text back. Research has shown that being ignored hurts almost as much as a straight up no. In the words of a professor at Columbia University, Geraldine Downey, being ignored makes you feel like nobody wants you. It makes you feel bad, watch this, and angry at yourself. The natural response to being ignored is to beat up on yourself and say, well, you know what? I shouldn't have taken that initiative in the first place. I shouldn't have tried in the first place. I shouldn't have said anything in the first place. I should not have texted in the first place. I should not have placed the phone call in the first place. And instead of directing that energy and your remorse and your regret at the person who ignored you, you end up turning it inward and it begins to eat at you and take its toll on you. All right. So the first kind of rejection is that of being ignored. Again, it's unspoken. You reach out and there is no response. The second type of rejection is the straight up no rejection. While this rejection doesn't hurt as much as being ignored, it can be especially painful and hurtful. When you receive a no, it can feel as if you're not worthy or you do not deserve getting whatever you were requesting. It can be taken as a harsh critique or interpretation, watch this, of your self-worth. Rejection shouldn't be analyzed emotionally as a clear logical assessment of the situation and why you were rejected is essential to prevent further rejection. So that's the second kind. Again, again, if you take taking notes, the first type is being ignored. It's most hurtful because there is no response. There's no interaction. There's no feedback. There is no, uh, there is no interaction. There's no, um, there's no trading of verbal, even verbal sparring. The second type is the straight up no. And it causes you to even question your own self work. Here's the third one. It's a little more subtle. <laughs> it is used cleverly by some people, and that's the kind rejection. While this is becoming quite common and has been the staple of professional relationships, rejection is rejection and hurts even when it is delivered with polite words. Being passed up on a promotion or having your request to join a social group decline can crush you even when the reasons why you are rejected are fully explained to you. Rejection is rejection. Hurt is hurt. Pain is pain. And there are people, and I want you to be on guard for this because there are people who have mastered the technique of quote unquote, letting you down lightly or uh, in the words of that song from the 70s, 
killing you softly with their words and polite conversation, civic, civil conversation does not erase the hurt and the pain that you feel when you're rejected, even if it's done with the kindest of words. Research by the University of Michigan Medical School showed that our brains handle social rejection similarly to physical injuries. Did you hear that? That research in the medical field has been done that shows that your emotional pain and injury to rejection can be as intense as breaking an arm, breaking an elbow, uh, breaking a leg, or any other physical reaction. The upside to kindly worded rejection is that explains why you were rejected, making it simpler to fix what's wrong and try again with higher chances of being accepted. Now, beloved, that is only true if the words that are given to you to explain your rejection are authentic, honest, and genuine. Understand, be on guard. Because if a person is using kind words or even explaining the rejection, but it's not the true self, it's not what they really mean, it's a flowery way of glossing over the fact that they don't want to be bothered or they don't want to make a connection, then having the explanation is of no real value to you. Because your assumption will be is that if you explain to me what's wrong, then I will fix it. All of us have this fixer mentality where if you tell me what's wrong, give me some time. I will fix what is wrong so that you won't reject me the next time. Now, if you are being given an honest assessment of the situation and basis for the rejection, then yes, you can correct your behavior and you can improve your chances of being accepted rather than rejected. But if the rejection or the kind words is simply a wall or a buffer for what a person really feels, then no matter, get this, get this, no matter what you do is going to overcome that rejection. Okay, here's the third one. The try this instead. Rejection. In most cases, especially in our professional lives, a rejection comes with suggestions for improvement. A potential employer might encourage you to change your skill set and then try applying at another time. This is also applicable in social settings when rejection comes with helpful advice for improvement and an invitation to try at another time. This type of rejection is easier to deal with as they give you a clear-cut outline for being accepted. Now, two and three are closely related because it is based, get this, beloved, please get this tonight, it is based upon the assumption that the feedback you're getting, the conversation that you're getting, the rationale, the explanation that you're given, the reasons that you're given are true and honest. Therefore, if it is true and honest, you can address those issues and attempt to change and improve them. But if it is a mask or a disguise for real contempt for you, again, 
Nothing you do is going to change the outcome. Well, I've taken up a goodly amount of your time and I've covered two sets of presentations that I wanted to cover for this uh, time that we are together. I'm going to leave the remainder of the time. I do know that some of you may have to jump off and go to a prayer and praise. And so I promise Sister Williams that I would be finished with my presentation by 745 to allow those who uh, need to get to prayer and praise to do so. But I want to leave the remainder of time available to you for us to have as inclusive a conversation as possible. So now I have offered you uh, a variety of rejections in my first presentation. I've given you four types of rejection in this presentation that are being ignored, that are being told a straight up no, uh, that being told that you can uh, improve and the kind word, the polite or the kind rejection. And of course, that last one was the try this instead. I'm anxious to know to what degree any of you have experienced any of these modes of rejection? Uh, have you been on the receiving end of this kind of rejection? Or wait a minute, if you're if you are daring and courageous enough to be honest and transparent, are you guilty of applying any of these types of rejections on your friends, on your family, on people who are meaningful to you? What has been your experience on both sides of the ledger as it relates? to rejection. Have you been rejected? Have you been rejected? And you can relate to the material that's been explained tonight? Or have you been the perpetrator? Have you actually maybe even unknowingly used some of these techniques either genuinely or dishonestly in your relationship with others? Who wants to come off of you? Now, I see some smiling faces, and I'm not sure if that's a smile of guilt or if that's a smile of acknowledgement, but somebody going to talk to us tonight. Come on, come on. We have a few minutes before we go tonight. Bishop, I have a question before I air my own um, laundry rejection. Um, on point two, straight up no, you said something about it shouldn't be examined emotionally? Yes, yeah. That, that that understand that when you are rejected with a straight up no, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is something wrong with you. And so you shouldn't automatically do this emotional assessment where you measure yourself and say, what's wrong with me? It may be totally on the other person. So don't allow a rejection, watch this, to redefine who you are. When you're comfortable in your own skin, when you know who you are, when you know what you are, when you know your self-worth and your self-value, then even a straight-up no will not do the damage that it may be intended to do. Listen, I grew up with this attitude. I grew up with this attitude, and I know I'm probably being a little self-serving here. I hope I don't get in trouble. I hope my sister don't tell on me. But my attitude when I was coming up is if I asked a girl out and she said no, my interpretation was that was her loss because she don't know what a great time she would have had if she had said, said yes. 
That's because I was so confident, maybe a little cocky, but I was so secure in my own skin that I did not allow the rejection of others to define who I was, watch this, and how I felt about myself. It was their loss, not mine. Make sense? Yes. Okay. Come on, talk to us, Elder. I have one more thing. Now, I've, I've had to do the kind rejection and the try this again rejection as an employer um, who has, you know, hired, fired, demoted, and promoted. Um, I wish I had some of these key points back when I was doing it a lot. Now that I'm semi-retired, I'm doing more project management. But I can say that in a couple of the uh, mentees that I have that are now in HR and doing things like this, I can use this now uh, for them to look at an approach when they are rejecting to make sure they can offer something for um, those who are being rejected to look at and then work towards coming back again and applying. Many times when a person is, is uh, denied a promotion, uh, they're not always encouraged to apply again. Um, I think it just depends on, on the agency, the business, the company, um, because you have such a hard drive with so many college graduates and people with experience and resumes. But I think in my mentoring, I would use this to teach them how to apply some steps of, um, this may be a no now, but these are the things that you absolutely need to look at and try again, if not with this company, but with a company or a business like that. So I can use it that way. Oh, that's great. I will confess to you, Elder, and to all of you, I struggled with this a little bit because about 15 years ago, I was a strong advocate of the business tool called the five-minute manager. And those yeah. of you who are familiar with that te technique know that there is a uh, one-minute assessment, one-minute criticism, and one-minute reward. And you would use the kind word or the try this instead uh, as a part of not only the negotiation, but a part of the exchange with the person that you were managing. And so mm -hmm. I can see where this might be a conflict with that. So I appreciate your ability to identify these items and be able to use it in the workplace in the future. Anybody else? Thank you for that. Bishop, I have to admit that um, you were stepping all over my feet when you spoke about the uh, unspoken or ignored oh. rejection. And so I'm thinking that we should not take it so seriously, especially if it's uh, a text or a phone call. Mm -hmm. Or personally, I, I would use the word, Sister Wes, I would use the word personally that we, we we should take it serious but we shouldn't take it personal you know some people just do not communicate well and here's another thing there are a lot of people i don't include myself in this category but there are a lot of people who are still struggling with technology and they're challenged by texting they're challenged by email they're challenged by you know some people are just more comfortable with the old-fashioned phone or a you know face-to-face eye-to-eye contact and exchange. And a lot of these new ways that we are communicating, 
puts people outside their comfort zone. So it may not even be a matter of being ignored. It may be a matter that the, the mode of, of communication that you are involved in, that person is not equally comfortable using that as a primary means of communicating. So again, don't beat up on yourself uh, and don't allow the, the, the existence of that to uh, cause you pain and cause you to define who you are. Okay, thank you. And, and I also have to admit that the last one, try this instead rejection I have used with my grandson when he uh, has been um, uh, rejected from a, a job, so. Okay, okay. Now, I'm, I'm anxious to know, were you honest in the try this instead, or were you just using that as a, uh, a filler or uh, uh, an explanation for the moment? No, no, I, I, what was the first thing you said again? I wasn't doing the second one. I probably was doing the first one. You were doing first. So th- it was an honest, listen, you were, you were seriously saying, if you try this, you might have a better outcome next time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Not that he listened, but. <laughs> <laughs> I see Sister Brown and I thought I saw somebody else. Sister Davis was trying to get in. Go ahead, Sister Brown. Yes. Yeah. Bishop, yes, yes, this is Sister Davis. I um like the one where you say try something else because I have been in a situation like that. And if you tell this person that you that's doing all of this or rejecting you like that, you can ask this person one thing you can say, I usually say that is not nice. Now, how would you feel if? if I was to say that to you or someone was to say that to you and then you should see the reaction behind that uh, I have been in that situation great okay I think we have time for one more comment before I turn it back over to Pastor Sister Brown were you trying to get in No, but I totally agree with all that um, the statements that was made um, is so true that it based on how you address a person, what you say to a person, you must be very vigilant because a person may take it the wrong way. So you must think before you speak because everyone see um, situations differently or they may go through some emotional um, stresses, but definitely we must watch and be once again, vigilant how we present ourselves and how we speak to other people. Good, good. Well, listen, beloved, I'm going to turn you back over to Pastor uh, Ellis, but I want to uh, thank you for your time, your attention. You can tell that I am emphatic. I'm excited. I am fascinated by this opportunity to spend this kind of time doing something slightly different on uh, the Wednesday after the first Sunday. I have been working on this material for the last several days, and uh, I have prepared my lessons all the way through October. And so I'm hopeful that you'll tell somebody, that you'll tell a neighbor, a friend, a family member to come and join us. It's just for one hour. And uh, it's my hope and my prayer that what I am giving you is not just rhetoric, but there are items that you can write down, jot down, and embed 
in your own life so that it makes a difference in your life.